listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL Show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. We're free and available on all platforms, now including YouTube. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for The Win, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, NHL analyst for the Montreal Gazette and host of Game Over Montreal on the SDPN. You can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Tuesday edition of the Crosscheck, I'm back from vacation and the Avalanche have won the Stanley Cup. And what a series it was, too, as we'll talk about the Avs finally cresting the summit and the Lightning's place in NHL history. Plus, Barry Trotz won't be coaching next season, so what does that mean for the head coaching market? So, Andrew, before you start off today's show, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I feel a lot better than this time last week where I wasn't able to do the show. So, glad to have you back, Mary. It was great to have Laura on last week as well, but uh, I'm very ready for the end of this season. I <laughs> loved these playoffs. They were fantastic. It's the best Stanley Cup final that I can remember, mm-hmm. but I'm ready for vacation mode. Obviously, we've got the draft coming up, but... Uh, other than that, I'm ready to start doing some work around the house. Mm, no, I get it. I mean, I just came back from vacation mode. As you know, I wasn't here on the show last week because I was on vacation. I still worked the Stanley Cup final for my full-time job. But uh, yeah, it was good to have a nice, you know, just it, it's good to relax. It's good to, you know, reset yourself and stuff like that. And uh, now I'm just kind of energized and whatnot. But I think we have a before we dive in to the Stanley Cup final because the playoffs were great. The Stanley Cup final was excellent. I'm so glad it went at least six games because we deserved that. It could have been seven, but whatever. We have an announcement to make. This Friday, July 1st, is going to be our last show with the Cross Check NHL show. Uh, I think we both decided, Andrew, that it was a good time to end it. Um, and, you know, we've got a lot of stuff on our plates uh, individually, but I think I can, uh, I don't want to speak for you, but I can at least speak for myself here and say that, you know, these, like this past year plus since we've done the show has been such a rewarding time. Uh, I've got to, you know, I learned how to podcast basically because of the show. And, you know, I feel, you know, like we've created such a bond uh, with, you know, ourselves with the, you know, locked on network as a whole. I mean, like we, we've joked about how Laura and Rachel are basically the secondary co-hosts of the show for, for good reason. And we've, you know, we had a lot of great memories, but it's a really good time to end it. Uh, so Friday will be the last show. This will be the last time I'm hosting. Andrew will host the uh, the final show. Um, but do you have anything you want to say before we get into the hockey about uh, about us, uh, you know, ending it here? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's been a pleasure to do this with you for this year and few months, Mm -hmm. Mary. And thanks to Locked On for putting this show together. And thanks to you for accepting my invitation to come (laughs) co-host with me. Mm -hmm. It's been fun. But as you mentioned, we have lots of balls in the air. I have rapid expansion at SDPN forthcoming this summer. And I just had to start cutting things that I could no longer find time to do and Mm -hmm. unfortunately this show is one of them yeah yeah it it is it's it's bittersweet basically um and you know like you i too have you know stuff in my life that you know i have to make time for and whatnot so this will definitely help alleviate my schedule and you know bring better work-life balance and stuff as it is but like i said all good things from this show and thank you to you know the listeners and watchers for sticking around for as long as you guys have. I know a lot of you have been there since day one. Um, so just thank you. Uh, obviously we'll still have this show and an entire uh, other show at the end of the week uh, before we say goodbye, but we figured we would give you guys just a couple days heads up. But from there though, we are going to transition right into the end of the 2022 Stanley cup playoffs and the Stanley cup final, the Colorado avalanche. Won the Stanley Cup, their first since 2001. I believe their third overall as a franchise. Uh, besting the Tampa Bay Lightning, the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. They're no more. The Avalanche won in Game 6 by a score of 2-1. to one. Um, And what a game it was. Um, I, obviously, the Lightning took that you know lead, uh, but then a frantic second period. Um, 
was uh, the Avalanche were able to score their two goals with uh, your boy Lekkinen, Andrew. I, I knew you were, I, I, you knew, you knew, uh, you know, scored the game winner. And then the Avalanche locked it down in the third yeah. period and just did not allow the Lightning to do anything of substance. Um, but what a game it was. Obviously, we're going to spend a whole bunch of time talking about the game, the series overall, what this means for the Avalanche, how happy we are for a whole bunch of Avalanche players. But I guess I'll start off with this, Andrew. Are you satisfied with the way it ended? Because for a little bit here, it was looking a little bit tenuous as to if we would get a longer series. But were you satisfied with the way this ended? I am and was and will continue to be. And not only because my boy Arturi Lekkanen gets his name on the Stanley Cup, but also because my buddy Arik Parnas gets his name on the Stanley Cup, but also because this is such, it was just such a great series. And with the talent that these two teams have, there was a possibility that the final game was going to be like game two, or I think it was game four in in Tampa, where it could have been a blowout, right? We could have known from the first period who was going to win the game that decided the Stanley Cup, and we didn't. We didn't know until the last couple of seconds when the officials noticed that uh, Victor Hedman wasn't skating hard enough and decided not to call an icing. We... It was down to the wire, and that's the best way to decide a Stanley Cup is at the very last moments, you don't know what's going to happen, and I absolutely loved it. I was on the edge of my seat the entire game. It was phenomenal, phenomenal series. Hats off to both teams, and then we got moments like Nazim Kadri, uh, the first yes. Muslim to win a Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. get his name on the Stanley Cup. Obviously fantastic, and then he has that amazing yes about, uh, you know, to people who said that he was a liability in the playoffs, they can kiss his ass. And people took it so seriously <laughs> as if he was pretending that he didn't get suspended three playoffs in a row. And he, mm-hmm. he laughed so hard after he said it, it was clearly like, yes, it was thumbing at the haters, but also it was in jest. Yeah. And I just love that he can laugh about it now. And he's an unrestricted free agent. Nazim Kadri, you won the Stanley cup, get paid my friend. Oh Yeah. Yes. Uh, And I know there's a lot of talk that, you know, people like people would love him on the Flyers. Uh, We'll see. I mean, there's a lot that can happen this offseason. It's going it's certainly going to be a busy one. But, you know, I hats off to both teams. Like you said, this was a truly incredible Stanley Cup final. Um, I think the only way it could have been better is if it went to seven games and we had more overtimes. Uh, Yeah. Like that, that's the only thing I can say about it that I, that I wish there was more of. And that's, and that's a good thing. I wish there was more of something instead of, you know, I wish like, you know, that things had turned out differently. I was fine. Like I said, with either team winning the Stanley cup here felt like both were deserved in their own rights um, to be where they were um, and to, you know, play on this stage in front of, you know, these fans and it, it delivered in every single way possible. I think, you know, we had the moments we had the overtime drama, we had, you know, the blowouts, we had the close games, like game six was a really good, like, like I know that the series started out with, you know, those, you know, big blowouts, lots of goals and stuff, but like, this is, this is how you want the series to end is you want it to be, close you want like you like you said you want to be at the edge of your seat basically and like even though i felt in the third period the avalanche had this lockdown i know that there was like a couple of shots that got on darcy kemper that were like scary to watch because like you know they just needed one shot to tie it but like there was that one kucherov chance where kemper came across and it was a great save from him but you're right that the avs locked it down and not just defensively but they pushed for the first 12 14 minutes of that period and just kept the lightning in their own zone. It was incredible. Uh, the the effort from guys like Landeskog, uh, Lekkanen, Kadri on the forecheck, and then everyone on the team at their own defensive blue line just clogging up the neutral zone, giving the lightning nothing to work with. In that game, the Avalanche and the lightning both displayed why they are so great. Mm-hmm. And like, what more can you ask for? Yeah, exactly. Like, it was just fantastic. Mm, exactly and for the avalanche this means so much because like for years like i believe you know before this season they had three straight seasons of being bounced um in the second round not able to get over the hump of the second round and in this year's playoffs they 
sweep in the like, sweep the Predators in the first round. They win in the second round against the Blues after, you know, all the stuff that went on with the water bottle toss and, you know, everything there, like the drama, the theatrics, all of that stuff. They were able to win out a gritty series against the Blues. Then they swept the Oilers in the Western Conference Final and then were able to go toe-to-toe and then some against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, and win out and... Like, I, what was their record? I don't know if you have it on hand, but they like it. It was a ridiculous record. It was like 16 and four, 16, yeah, 16 and four, 16 and four. That's a ridiculous record in it the is. playoffs. That is absolutely bonkers. I believe like, it's the best since the L.A. Kings won in 2012. Yeah, that yeah, that checks out like what a team this is. And like, obviously, you know what you mentioned, Kadri, they've got questions to answer in terms of what this team will be like next year. But like, even without. Kadri, they were able to get you know really far into the playoffs before like the Stanley Cup final before he came back they were they were winning the series when he came back and you know I think that speaks to a testament of what they have built there in Colorado these are the two teams like these these are the teams that everybody everyone in the NHL should be aspiring to become because they are you know fast relentless um they're incredible offensively have some just in- insane talent. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Kale McCarr yet, who had uh, one <laughs> hell of a week, like, you know, winning the Norris, winning the Stanley Cup, and then winning the Conn Smythe on top of it all. Um, we really saw a passing of the torch here from Victor Hedman, you know, previous Stanley Cup winner, previous Norris Trophy winner, previous Conn Smythe winner to Kale McCarr in this game. And it just... What a week for him. And, you know, he's certainly going to be a player that is up there in, you know, talk for like, you know, best in the NHL. And he's a defenseman and you don't often get that. It has to be a truly special player to, you know, be in that, you know, conversation. And Kale McCarr is. And, you know, he's what, 23? Like the sky's the limit for this kid. And, you know, it's. This is just a great hockey team. And well, you didn't even mention the, you know, they had the Stanley Cup for like, what, 15 minutes and they dented <laughs> dent on the it. ice. Yeah. Was like, it even 15 minutes? Like, like it was like the fastest it, dent re- ever. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, when they were lining up for their picture, uh, Nicholas Abe Cubell had the had the Stanley Cup. Former flyer Nicholas Abe Cubell had the had the <laughs> Stanley Cup when was bringing it over and tripped. And you, you can see the, you know, dent when he pulls it back up and everybody's reactions are really funny. Definitely look it up if you missed it for some reason. It was when they were all gathering for their team picture. Um, yeah, just uh, this was just such a well-deserved win for the Avalanche. And I'm really happy for them because, you know, they had like however many years ago it was less than like, I guess a decade now that like, you know, they were the lowest of the low in the NHL. Like they were one of, they had one of the worst seasons in the modern NHL. And, you know, you go from that to this in such a short turnaround time speaks to everything that they've done to, you know, build up this team with talent with, you know, homegrown talent and, you know, finding the depth pieces. I mean, we talked about the Devin, the, the Taze trade and like, you know, just what a, what a find that was, you know, get them on the team. And like, yeah, I can't say more, like, I can't speak more highly of the avalanche and what they've done here, because it really takes a truly special team to be able to knock off the back-to-back Stanley cup champions. And we're going to talk about them in the next segment, because I'm sure, you know, we've, you know, there's a lot to talk about with them too, but like it takes a truly special team to be able to do what the Avalanche did and they did. And, you know, just absolute congratulations to everybody on that team. Just what a story, what a team, what incredible hockey we were witness to. Um, yeah, just really awesome stuff. Is there anything else, Andrew, you want to say on the Avalanche here before we move on? Because it, it, this was such a great series and a great final. And I had a lot of fun covering it. Just like, this is this is what you want hockey to be. If you're a hockey fan, this type that like just watch the Stanley Cup final and you know, you you realize why you love hockey so much despite all of the shenanigans the NHL puts us through. Um shenanigans and just, you know, disappointment overall. This is the this Stanley Cup was, you know, what it like should be. What it's, yeah, what it should be. What hockey should be. Yeah, so to put in context how good the Colorado Avalanche were in this postseason. I went back all the way to 1980. And maybe I'm alone here, but I I'm confused as to why a bunch of teams in the 80s only had 15 wins to the Stanley Cup. Maybe the first round used to be best of five. Hmm, maybe I'm not yeah. sure, but 
interesting, noteworthy anyway. But the teams that have fared as well as the Avalanche in that time, which is what now 33 years, mm-hmm. more than that, 43 years. Uh, there are a handful of teams that have gone 16 and four. The New Jersey Devils with 94 95, mm-hmm. the Montreal Canadiens with 92 93, the Detroit Red Wings with 96 97. The LA Kings of 2011-2012, and that's it. Yeah. Only one team, while you needed 16 wins to win a Stanley Cup, has ever had fewer than four losses. And it was the 1987-88 Edmonton Oilers, who went 16-2. and Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really get any more dominant than that, but yeah, no. obviously that was two different eras of hockey and just i think that really puts the what the avalanche did here into perspective and sure you can say that the predators were a bit of a cakewalk um but they got to the stanley cup playoffs so you know they they deserve to be there um you can asterisk any stanley cup victory if you look hard enough this is true you can and you know i know people will probably say that about tampa's you know stanley cups that you know they didn't do it in a full 82 game season. Yeah, no, I know. Right? I'm just saying yeah. that you can t- technically make that argument, but I don't agree with it at all. Like it, it was probably harder to, you know, do what the lightning did uh, just with the way that the seasons were constructed. Um, but yeah, congratulations again to the avalanche. The, this is just really awesome. I definitely recommend just like watching all of the videos of, you know, the players hugging each other. I don't remember who it was, which two players were on the ice hugging each other. But that was really cool. I think Nathan McKinnon was one of them. Um, It's just a lot of real raw emotion, you know, from these guys. You know, a lot of like, you know, a lot of these guys have been on this team when they've had their failures and, you know, see them be able to overcome and, you know, crest the summit and, you know, all of your metaphors and whatnot. Uh, Just it feels really good. This is a great story. Um, And yeah, just. Super, super happy for the avalanche here and what great hockey we were witness to. But coming up next, we're going to talk about the flip side of the coin here is the Tampa Bay Lightning as, you know, what this means for, you know, how history views them as a hockey team in general. And, um, you know, maybe if they if if they melt it down a little bit, like what we what we think of that in the final game, too. Uh, but that'll be coming up right after this. BetOnline.net is the, your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, news, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline. Where the game starts. All right, Andrew. So, like I said, heading into this segment, we've gone from the Colorado Avalanche, who won the Stanley Cup, to the Tampa Bay Lightning, who it's been a while since uh, they have known defeat in a um, in a playoff capacity. Yeah, it showed. Yeah, yeah. It, okay, we'll get there. Uh, but they had won eleven straight series heading into this um, and lost. They had gotten into three three straight Stanley Cup finals, won the previous two, and lost this one. Um, I guess we'll just head right into their behavior on the ice because that's clearly what you want to talk about. But I, we will, I guess, talk about, you know, what this means for their overall dynasty. Um, I, I know a lot of people on hockey Twitter were not a big fan of the Lightning losing their cool with, you know, um, who was it? Pat Maroon um, and his, and his you know, uh, chopping of, I believe, Josh Josh Manson in the leg and, you know, Victor Hedman taking that uh, terrible boarding penalty that should have been a lot worse. Um, All basically right after the avalanche took a two, one lead in the second period. Uh, I know a lot of hockey fans were not, you know, not a big fan of that, but then there was me like completely enjoying this villain turn from the lightning because that's what they've been from the start basically um it kind of started last year with you know them embracing the kucherov stuff and you know kucherov had that shirt during the stanley cup uh final parade um and also he needlessly went after canadians fans while celebrating the stanley cup win yeah so this has been a long time coming and it really boiled to a head here 
um, in game six and they let their frustration show. Uh, and it seems, Andrew, you have a lot of strong words for this, but let me just say, yes, those hits were dangerous, but I'm not surprised at the villain turn the lightning took here because that's what they were always going to end up being. We talked about it. They were the final boss. And I'm glad that the storyline here coalesced to be what it was because that's what I was hoping it would be. Uh, but I, it, seemed you ha- it seems you have strong words for the lightning here, Andrew. No, I mean, here's the thing. Any team that gets this far and has this much success, you got to do some dodgy stuff. Mm-hmm. Every team has dirty players. And the more games you play, the higher stakes they are the more you get to see those dirty players be dirty. And for whatever reason, I feel like Nikita Kucherov has kind of slid through the last, you know, eight or nine years or whatever of of his career without getting the label of being a dirty player, Mm -hmm. but he's a dirty, dirty player. He's Mm -hmm. cheap. He's a poor sport. He's a poor winner. And like at the end of the game last night, he went, he broke his stick out of frustration then went to the bench and the equipment manager wasn't ready with his new stick. So he took off his glove and whipped it at the equipment manager. And listen, I get it that you got 10 seconds left in a game where you could lose the Stanley cup. Mm-hmm. You're upset that somebody hasn't f- done their job properly, but you don't throw your glove at a mm-hmm. team employee. Like emotions run high. Sure. But give me a break. Nikita. Mm-hmm. And I, I find that combined with his comments last year where he just needlessly trashed fans, which doesn't make any sense. They weren't actually going after him or anything. So that kind of stuff going beyond the actual game. I don't think Nikita Kucherov is the most likable guy <laughs> uh, outside of that. I mean, Steven Stamkos, I thought uh, his postgame comments were incredible, showed what kind of a leader he is. But of course, they're the villain. Anybody who wins too much is becomes a villain. It's yeah. that line from the Dark Knight, right? Mm-hmm. Either die a hero or you live long you enough to see yourself, see yourself become the villain. villain. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's true of all sports. It's like when everyone got sick of uh, Golden State, right? And now they're back. Mm-hmm. And it was great this year. But when they had that like unbe- unbeatable run, everyone was sick of them, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone was happy that LeBron James won that NBA championship in the final second with that amazing block and then running down and uh, getting the basket the other way. Most people, at least in Canada, I know, uh, were happy about the Raptors beating uh, GSW as well. So now maybe the Golden State Warriors are not the the villains anymore because they, they just seem like a little bit less impenetrable. They have to work harder to win it. You know, Steph Curry is getting a little bit older now. Not that he's not spectacular. But, you know, he's not the prime of prime Steph Curry. The same thing will probably happen with the Lightning. They might take Mm -hmm. a year next year or maybe they lose in the second round and then they'll be back to what they're supposed to be. They have the right mix to get right back there. I think Steven Stamkos, somebody asked him if this is like the end for that core. And he was like, why would it be? He got like (laughs) really upset about it. Mm -hmm. They do have the hearts of champions. I will say that I. I do love that the lightning just do not die. Mm-hmm. Right. But man, the, the poor sportsmanship for a team that won twice in a row and got back into the finals. It's a little bit childish, you know, mm-hmm. Pat Maroon, definitely childish. I didn't see the clip, but people were saying that Ross Colton cross-checked a ref at the end of the game. I'd... I'm assuming was an accident. Mm-hmm. But... I would, I would assume so as well. Like, I, I know it's childish. It, it it says something that they go into these Stanley Cup finals and they act like they've almost never won it before, basically. Like, I, I find it's less that they've never won it before. They act like they are the only ones who should be allowed to be there. It, and I, I found that a lot in this series, mm-hmm. especially the last few games. Every single time they were scored on, oh, well, we need five minutes to dissect this goal and figure out why it's illegal. Mm-hmm. Like, what makes you so special? Calm down. I mean, I understand I mean, John Cooper is a, is a, a lawyer, but mm-hmm. we don't need to litigate the minutia of every single goal. Like, mm-hmm. just shut up and earn it. And <laughs> I think that's what bothered me the most about this Lightning team this year is that they were good enough to earn it, but mm-hmm. they had to squeeze everything, mm-hmm. right? Always in the ref's ears. Yep, 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 yep. And I, I don't have a lot of respect for that approach. And that's why I love that the Avalanche won this game in game six because – after the last game where the avalanche were completely screwed by the officials, frankly, mm-hmm. not that they played amazing, but they were screwed over in that game. Instead of complaining about it, they said, that's their thing. We're just going to go out and win the next game. Mm-hmm. And they did. I love that. 
yeah, it makes for a good story. And the Lightning deserved to win their previous Stanley Cups. I don't 100%. think that's yeah, like like they they deserve to be there. It is just their their it's it's like you know at the end of a Disney movie when the villain is like you know grasping for anything to keep them alive like like they're grasping at straws to you know stick around after the villain beats them that's what they're after the hero beats them that's what it that's what this felt like here is like they're they had one last dying gasp basically of trying to you know keep you know keep their championships and it just it didn't work and funny that you mentioned john cooper because you know you had all of the stuff about him litigating all of those calls the lightning you know being able to you know challenge things more seconds after um like challenge goals more seconds after than you were supposed to but i i saw a quote from him last night that like he was basically just like the avalanche played better they deserved everything like they deserved to win everything they got and like who are we to stand in their way or something like that like i don't know some it was a very like he's always magnanimous in defeat like mm-hmm. Yeah, I love John Cooper. I really do. If I were to be like building a franchise and could have my pick of every coach, I would probably pick John Cooper. I think he's mm-hmm. phenomenal. I, I it's just the attitude of how dare we be scored upon? Somebody must have done something illegal. <laughs> like I get it, you're great, but let's look at the accomplishments of this Lightning team over the last four mm-hmm. years because I know th- I know they were swept by Columbus in a big shocker series back in uh, eighteen nineteen, but since that like. Over that time, they've put up 62 wins in a season. That was that 1819 season, yep. which is the most of all time, tying the Detroit Red Wings in 95-96. The fourth best points record in the history of the NHL. Then they won two straight Stanley Cups in the COVID era and went back to a third Stanley Cup final and took it to six games. Shortened summers, injuries. They won the first Stanley Cup without Steven Stamkos. They went to this one without Braden Point for most of the playoffs. You know, this is a team that is beyond resilient that should be, you know, a team that we point to consistently as, you know, this is excellence from the top down from pro scouting, amateur scouting, drafting and development, uh, integrating players into your team. They built a third line at the trade deadline. And that third line was awesome in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't happen. They are an incredible team, an incredible organization. And it it just kind of sucks that at the end of the day, what people are going to remember about this final for the lightning is a lot of whining. Sure. But I think at the end, their legacy will win out. Uh, Sure. Maybe, maybe in the way that they went out was, you know, if they, if maybe if you ask them, like if they would want to redo their, I guess, attitude basically in the Stanley cup final, you, they would probably come back and say, yes, Maybe. I don't know. Like, obviously, I can't speak for them, but like I would because, you know, when I have those moments where I act like a petulant child because it happens, everybody does, uh, then I feel completely embarrassed. I'm like, why, why did I do that? That was so awful of me. Um, it may be different for a, you know, ultra hyper competitive person like the uh, the lightning are, but like, sure, it may not have ended the way they wanted it to and they didn't put their best face forward to the world, but at the same time, we've seen them at their best and Sure, it, there is something to say about being gracious in defeat, but the post-game comments, like, they were gracious in defeat there. Like I said, that John Cooper quote was, you know, was as, I don't want to say classy, because it feels like an overused word in these it's situations. The, it's the word of the, the of hockey, right? It's all, yeah. all classy. I hate, I hate that. Yeah, word. I know, I know. But, uh, you know, it was as, you know, I guess, grateful in defeat as you can, as you can be. Um, so sure, they got they let their emotions get the best of them on the ice, but at the end of the day, they were you know classy about it. Um, but what does this say for the Lightning overall, uh, like with their dynasty? Because I think the NHL classifies the dynasty as three Stanley Cup wins in a row. Um, so I know people are going to debate, you know, whether the Lightning are a dynasty or not they did a lot like i mean you put it into really good perspective overall about what they've accomplished recently and like there are no asterisks to this lightning team like to like sure they didn't have a full 82 game season until this year but they made it within one game of winning the stanley cup final again like i don't you can't take that away from them they are just an incredible hockey team and i think you said I think you said it right. It's like the pinnacle of excellence. We're going to look back at this era of hockey and we are going to point to 
this Lightning team and what they went through from losing to the to Columbus in the fashion that they did in the first round after having a, a historic season. We're going to look at the, that era from then to now and possibly beyond because, like Steven Samko said, why would we think that they're going to be done? Like, sure, the Avalanche are probably the odds-on favorites right now to win the Stanley Cup for next year. But you can never count out the Lightning until until it's until it's over. And it seems as if this team wants to continue to be like they're, they're still hungry for another Stanley Cup. And hundred you know, percent, if they win, if they win next year, that'll be three and four, and that you don't often see in the in the NHL either. I mean, obviously, that's assuming a lot of things happen and break their way and whatnot. But this Avalanche team is still going to be around. They still got really good pieces. They'll be able to shuffle things, and you know that their their front office and all that stuff that you know, was able to construct this team, all that. They're so incredibly smart. They're still there. They're still going to be able to find a way to do these things. Um, And I'm looking forward to seeing if what you said is true about, you know, they lose this one. Maybe they come back next year and, you know, or maybe next year they, you know, falter a bit. But, you know, maybe the year after they come back, will people look at them as, you know, the whiny losers that, ended this Stanley Cup final or will they look at them as the you know the dominant team that won back-to-back Stanley Cups and nearly won a third and you know we were all rooting for at least a lot of people were rooting for you know Stamkos in that first one you know when he had at like one shift in that game and scored the goal like that was that I think for me is like the biggest thing about this lightning team. Like it's not just the, it's not the, you know, their villain turn or whatever. It's like at once upon a time, they were the hero of this story and of their own story. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, that time obviously has to end. Like it gets, it gets lonely at the top and, you know, I'm glad to see that the other teams are testing them and yeah. stuff like that because at- well, we can even go further back with the lightning too. Right. Like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, they set the record in 2018-19, but the year before that, they went to the conference final. Yeah. The year before that, they had a really fluke season and missed the playoffs with 42 wins in 82 games. Wow. Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. 57.3% winning percentage and missed the playoffs. And the year before that, conference final again. Year before that, Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. Like this yeah, is a team knocked at the door for 5 years before they finally won. So I think there's lessons in here for a lot of teams, both from the avalanche in turning things around quickly and building on the areas that you don't know. Like, look how fast Joe Sackick adjusted when he realized that there was things that he didn't know about pro scouting and analytics and brought in an analytics department to actually do a good job for them. Five years from worst in the league to Stanley cup and for the Tampa Bay lightning patience and perseverance, not panicking, they had many opportunities to blow things up and go a different direction. Oh, Instead, yeah. they just kept going through all that adversity and nearly won three straight. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. It, it really is. And, you know, you say about the lessons that can be learned and, you know, you look at the lightning, not blowing it up. You can say that about the avalanche and, you know, what they did after, like I said, losing three straight in the second round. Um and, you know, there was a time for a bit that we didn't know if Gabriel Landeskog was going to come back. And he did. And he helps them win. Um, and you can also, you know, use this blueprint for somebody like the Toronto Maple Leafs, who, I mean, obviously we'll see where their future goes, but it seems as if they are committed to staying the course with this core. And, um, yeah, it, it's a lot of people can learn a lot of lessons from this uh, Lightning team. And even, like like I said, the Avalanche, too, because, you know, they were an incredible hockey team in this season, in this postseason, um, and just hats off to both teams. But you know, I, I think at the end of the day, sure, the Lightning are like they're. It sucks to go out the way that they did, but at the end of the day, people, I think you know, will look back upon this era of hockey with fondness um, because nobody was doing it like the Tampa Bay Lightning were until the Colorado Avalanche did too. Um, but we're going to end it there and we're going to shift from the playoffs, which are now over to looking ahead to the future in the NHL and some surprising coaching news. And, you know, when we think some more dominoes are going to fall uh, and that'll be coming up right after this. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar, but guess what? Your friends at built have given 
coconut brownie chunk the puffs treatment. That's right. Coconut brownie chunk built bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But stop drooling and listen. They are good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, all delicious. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are here, are only here for a limited time. Go to built.com now to make sure that you don't miss out. They are going fast because they taste amazing. All built bars have are made with the same collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. The best part about built puffs is, of course, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free because they're actually good for you. They're the perfect treat, perfect when you've got a craving and you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, or if you need a quick, healthy snack, they're an excellent source of protein. Delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing. Get to Built.com and order your box of coconut brownie chunk built puffs right now. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off of your order. So use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Andrew. So we shift from the playoffs to the future of the NHL because the offseason is here now. And, you know, what a playoffs it was, what a season it was, finally, an 82-game season. I know that the offseason shifted a little bit this year because of the schedule shift, but we're finally getting back on track to what it was like in the before times. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. I know, it. I know. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, all of that stuff. Uh, but thank God we are getting to the point where things are returning to normal in the hockey world. Um, but that means we've got coaching stuff to talk about. Uh, you talked about the last week with Laura, the Panthers mystifying decision um, to, you know, go with Paul Maurice instead of Andrew Brunette. Um, I know he made mistakes um, in that playoffs, but that was a weird one. And they replaced him with a, you know, with a coach that hasn't done a whole lot. It's just the losingest a, coach in NHL history. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Okay, he's done no something. Offense, he's Paul, the but... yeah, he's done something. He's the losingest coach in NHL history. So, like, like you said, no offense, but it's a mystifying decision for a Panthers team that surely wants to compete, um, and whatnot. And it's just a w- weird, really weird decision. But the other thing that came out um, over the weekend or on Friday was that Barry Trotz won't be coaching in the NHL next year, at least according to reports. Uh, I actually, I believe it's uh, confirmed now that he told Winnipeg that, um, you know, the team that was, you know, courting him highly, basically. And, you know, we all thought he could possibly go there. Um, yeah, he is he's not going to coach in Winnipeg or anywhere next year. And, you know, I think this lines up with reports saying that, you know, he wanted possibly to do something in management too. Um, so maybe he's just, you know, biding his time, waiting to see his options. Um, but that is definitely the biggest piece off the board because it was a big surprise for everybody when Barry Trotz got fired by the Islanders. Um, and now the biggest head coaching piece is um, is unavailable for teams. So I believe it is the Jets, the Red Wings, and what, the Bruins, I believe? Yeah, are all without coaches, and there's still some big names out there, but a um, bit of a surprise from Barry Trotz, I think, here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there was lots of rumors surrounding Barry Trotz and what he wanted to do in his future, but uh, it seems like he wants to step more into a management role, uh, and not necessarily away from coaching, but uh, on top of coaching and transition away from coaching over a couple of years, but a little bit surprising that he's stepping away for for one year at least, but uh, tough uh, decision for Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Clearly threw it in mm-hmm. for Barry Trotz, and that's where they wanted to go. But uh, yeah, un- unfortunate for them as they missed out on a lot of other candidates who were out there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, understandable, honestly, for Barry Trotz. He's been doing this for a long time. Yeah. He hasn't really had that much time off in his career. He gets hired as soon as he's fired. So. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I think that uh, sometimes a bit of time away can change your perspective and help you become a better coach. Uh, I think it helped for John Tortorella when he was fired in Vancouver and he had some time off before I think he went to uh, Columbus. He was definitely a better coach when he came back. So hopefully for Barry Trotz, it's going to recharge him a little bit and he'll be back in the game right away because uh, – I, for one, really enjoy Barry Trotz, even if his style in Long Island was not very pleasurable to watch. I think he's a great hockey person. 
yeah, he's a great hockey person. Obviously, you want to stand the cup within the past, what, like five-ish years? Yeah, uh, you know, with Washington. Um, so he's basically done it all, really, in his time as, you know, head coach. Um, so I think it's more than fine for him to, you know, take that step back, rest, uh, get new perspectives, um, you know, and obviously play play the waiting game. Like, he, he's going to have people coming to him, like, regardless of whether he, you know, takes this break like he he has he's gonna have suitors for a long a long time and you know he's going to have his pick basically because we know how good of a coach he is um probably the best coach in the nhl in terms of just like the overall you know like he just he gets hockey to a level not many coaches do um so he's going to certainly have his pick if he wants to come back into hockey, whether that be coaching or management. But yeah, that leaves basically the uh, the Winnipeg Jets in a big bind. Um, and, you know, it kind of makes me a little bit grateful that like team like the Flyers didn't, you know, put all their eggs in one basket. And like I get reasons why they did that were probably not necessarily related to the fact that Barry Trotz wouldn't be coaching at all next year. It was probably related to the fact that he wouldn't see them as the most attractive option. But still, like... You can't put your eggs all in one basket like that. Um, so let's hope that the Jets have, um, you know, other options. You know, somebody like Jim Montgomery is still available, I believe. Um, I'm trying to think of any other head coaches. Um, so we'll see. Like, you know, maybe Andrew Burnett, you know, finds his way to Winnipeg. Like, That'd be you know, funny. It, it would be funny. Uh, but, you know, he's at least an option there. I mean, but, you know, you've got, you know... The Bruins still looking for a coach. They're in a bit of a transitionary period themselves. So they're probably, I would guess maybe they go off the board a little bit. Yeah, they have their own list, right? Uh, Jim Montgomery is a guy who keeps on getting Mm -hmm. uh, mentioned there. Uh, Chicago kind of went off the board and bringing in Luke Richardson from the Canadians who, you know, uh, Luke Richardson as an assistant coach hasn't done a great job (laughs) in (laughs) Montreal. He, He ran the PK and ran the defense and frankly, not great at either over his tenure there or his tenure before that. But as a head coach seems a little bit more interesting. I know that he took over behind the bench in Montreal uh, when Ducharme got COVID last year in the playoffs Mm. and the team played better under him. So that was kind of interesting to see. It seemed like they would, they were willing to run through a wall for Luke Richardson. (laughs) So if he can be the head coach motivator and have two assistants that run the X's and O's, then maybe it's a good fit for Chicago. But uh, overall, Coaching news seems to be what we're going to be watching throughout the rest of this summer until free agency. Yeah, because I mean, you know, the draft isn't for isn't until next week. Um, so there's a bit of time. This this is when it feels like the dominoes are going to start to fall a bit because you're going to want to have a head coach by the time the draft rolls around, or it's going to be weird. Um, so you know, it. I, I'm curious just to see which one goes first, um, like which team goes first of those that are left still looking. Uh, but this, you know, I, I think it'll probably be a couple of days, but I would assume by the end of the week, we're going to hear something about, you know, the next head coach, um, because it just it only makes sense. And, you know, we've got a little bit of time until the draft because of the way the schedule worked out. But I'd, I'll be very curious to see who is that first domino that falls, because like, you know, we th- we all thought it was going to be Barry Trotz, which is the funny thing, like when that the you know, the name started piling up on the list of, you know, head coaches available and the teams, you know, and, you know, the more teams that got added to, you know, looking for uh, the, that had a vacancy and looking for a coach. We all thought that it was going to be a log jam until Barry Trotz got hired. Um, and it was for a bit, but then, you know, as interviews went on and stuff, it seemed as if, you know, other teams were, weren't contented to wait. And, you know, you had Bruce Cassidy going, I believe that was the first major move going first, um, to Vegas and then other teams followed like, you know, the Flyers and, you know, Pete DeBoer, um, stuff like that. So it's just a, a really interesting time for, you know, other teams in the NHL right now, because, you know, we've got a little bit of time before the draft, um, but truly teams are going to, you know, get their front offices in place and get, you know, their future decided for what they want for their teams, because, you know, the draft is a huge time. Uh, for, you know, teams with, you know, making picks for their future and also possibly trading players away for, you know, draft picks and whatnot. So 
it's certainly going to be an interesting time. Like this off season is certainly going to be an interesting one, especially because it's also another shortened one by a couple of weeks. Sure. But it's still going to be a little bit of a shortened off season. Yeah, another so. compressed season as well. Probably a little bit. So just hopefully a bit. by next year, 2023, 2024, that's when we'll get back to normal. I would assume that after like, this is the last year of like free agency, not being on July 1st and whatnot. I think the NHL, as long as there's no major COVID breaks again, but it seems like, you know, things are getting more under control in that regard. But um, yeah, it, it seems as if next year will probably be, you know, we'll get, you know, the Stanley Cup final in early June. We'll get the draft at the end of June. We'll get start a free agency on July 1st. At least I hope so, because um, all of this has messed with uh, the vacation I go on. I go on the same vacation every year. It's um, the first like week like the first day of it is like on father's day weekend and the stanley cup final used to never be there and now <laughs> it is so uh i'm hoping it gets pushed back to where it normally is and you know i get my my nice week before the draft because then the draft would be the friday saturday of my last friday saturday of vacation i had it all planned out and then covid ruined everything as it does um but yeah uh definitely be on the lookout for uh you know head coaching movement um this at the end of by the end of this week i'm sure um because that'll be something to uh keep an eye on uh as will ev eventual free agency because there's going to be a lot of big names out there it's 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 probably going to be a busy summer um and at least i hope so because it'll you know keep me entertained uh and whatnot but we're going to move on from the head coaching carousel as it were um, and talk about uh, prop culture segments. Uh, and we've, we have a conversation long overdue about the season finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And that will be coming up right after this. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure are often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us box that they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, Andrew, so pop culture segment. I was pleasantly surprised you didn't talk about uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi last week with Laura because I would have had to skip through that segment because I hadn't watched it. Uh, I wanted to wait for you. Thank you. Because uh, I didn't watch it while I was on vacation because um, I was busy. I also didn't want to spoil my uh, my cousin and his wife who also watched the show but weren't going to be able to watch it until um, once they got home from vacation. So yeah. Um, I will let you start first uh, because you've had a bit more time to stew on the episode than I have. So I'll let you go first. Uh, what did you think of the episode and the season finale overall? This is, I think, my new favorite Star Wars anything. It is pretty much everything that I wanted it to be. I have literally one gripe from the final episode and that's it. Everything else was fantastic. Ewan McGregor acted the crap out of this series. Just his his facial expressions alone, yeah. every time he was met with Vader, were just something else. And I love that we got to see more Hayden Christensen. I love yes. the the slice through the helmet, which echoed yes. the exact same thing Ahsoka did to him in Rebels. I saw screenshots of that, yeah. Yeah, it was it was so good. And the lighting during that scene where the blue lightsaber hits him whenever he's basically when Anakin is kind of coming through and then mm -hmm. when he shuts him off and it's just Vader, the red comes back. And at the moment when Obi-Wan decides that, OK, my friend is truly gone, there's still there's a little flicker of blue that goes across Vader's eye 
And mm-hmm. I just, man, it was beautiful. I think hats off to Deborah Chow for crafting such a phenomenal series. It's crazy to think that the complaints about this series were so insane mm-hmm. and all people had to do to get what they wanted was to wait. And we talked about media literacy a lot, Mary, over the last few weeks. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just want to see the lightsaber battles and the big moments. They want to see Thor dropping into Wakanda from the Bifrost. And they don't understand that the reason those moments matter is the story that leads to them. Yes. And this gave us that. It gave us a complete arc from, you know, filling out Leia's character and giving her a connection with Obi-Wan, which felt so real and of that universe. And man, the actress who played Leia, phenomenal. Yeah. To the very end with Luke and Obi-Wan goes in there with the hello there. Oh, yes. You knew they were going to do it. You knew they were going to do it. They couldn't resist. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. Qui-Gon at the end as well. Like, man, just perfect. Yes. Everything you wanted. And also, again, shout outs to uh, Obi-Wan for like the the series for not killing Reva. I was really, yes. really, I, I really thought she was marked for death um, at the very beginning. She's going to have show. her own series for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really pleased with the way they went for her because, you know, it would suck if they would have had to kill her at the end. Um, it's more satisfying this way um, that, you know, she can go off and possibly atone uh, for the things she did. But, you know, she had trauma in her life. And, you know, like I said, I, the actress did an incredible job conveying all of that. Like the performances were great. Um, the hello there from Ewan McGregor at the end. I was like, I should have seen this coming. Um, that was great. The battle between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader when the helmet part of the helmet comes off and you can hear the voices like the different the the way that they meshed you know Hayden Christensen and oh, the actor's name I cannot remember James Earl Jones James Earl which, Jones thank you yeah it's it yeah. actually done through uh, like it wasn't I don't believe James Earl Jones actually read the lines they used uh, the same AI program that they mm. used for Luke the respeacher oh yeah, yeah yeah but I think James Earl Jones uh, has a lot more. Uh, lines I would say in his own voice or in the Darth Vader voice that they could draw on mm-hmm. and so it came out a little bit cleaner than the Luke audio did or maybe the, the technology is a little bit better now than it was a year ago but uh, really really well done yeah I thought that scene was just like it was haunting in a way like just yeah. uh, you know between the visuals of you know the lightsaber colors um, and whatnot and obviously they're acting but like just like the voices and hearing it in that way was just really haunting and just showed you you know everything that the these characters have gone through and you know really drives that home in a way that really hasn't been before like you know it really solidified that like obviously you know that it's you know Hayden Christensen slash Anakin Skywalker but like you know he's under he's under a mask and he's has a different voice but you know this was really like you know the moment where I was like wow like the like it's just you know it all it all came together basically yeah. and just overall the- it was great the pain and torment that Anakin is dealing with, I think comes through here better than it did in, in the prequels. And yes. it's just it, one thing that's great about what's going on with star Wars right now through Disney plus and what Dave Filoni did in rebels and clone wars is they're able to fill in uh, parts of star Wars that haven't, that have been speculated on or like written about in, in books with acting and, and actual set pieces to expand on what is a good overall story from the prequels, but which was butchered by <laughs> awful direction by George mm-hmm. Lucas and too much focus on the wrong things. Like as much as it is not going to happen, I feel like with modern storytelling and George Lucas at an arm's length, if they were to take his story, because I feel like he's a good world builder, he's just not a storyteller. If they could take that and redo the prequels, I feel like they would be the best movies of the two, the three trilogies, because they it, that tragedy of Darth Vader is truly like the best story overall in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But it, it, they're just they're not good. I know people want to go back and because there's memes and everything, they go back and pretend that it's good. It's not good. Even Revenge mm-hmm. of the Sith, which people think is great. It's not. It's bad. It's very bad. Mm-hmm. All those movies are terrible. But they've 
they're able to save them through redoing things and yes. and this added storytelling that gives us depth. Because one of the things that I watched, like watching WandaVision and Doctor Strange, which we talked about before, mm-hmm. watching Wanda's arc through one TV series, short miniseries, and a movie, which is like the only time she really got a lot of screen time. Mm-hmm. They did her turning bad way better than Anakin was ever done, which is mm-hmm. supposed to be like the pop culture story of our lifetimes, right? Is is Star mm-hmm. Wars. It's yeah. the, the one that stands above everything else. That tells you how bad they did with the prequels, that they were able to be outdone so easily. So I'm glad that this exists because it does that story justice. Yes. Yeah. It it that really hits it on the head for me. It does the story justice and the you know, the prequels never did and, you know, partially ruined the Star Wars brand for a time. And obviously there's like a whole bigger discussion about the overall Star Wars brand, but whatever. I also, it also got a chuckle out of me when I saw Palpatine again, because <laughs> I, never, I always think of the line that's like, somehow Palpatine returned. I know that's, you know, it makes sense that he's there, but it just it makes me chuckle every time I see him now. Um, what was the thing that you had a gripe about, though? Uh, the one thing that I had a gripe about was, uh, now I'm trying to, it was, <laughs> oh, uh, Obi-Wan's decision to leave Vader alive, right? Mm. You know, it has to happen. Yeah. But I feel like for him to make that decision in that moment and for it to make sense, they needed to give some sort of explanation. So I, I feel like in your head canon, you can figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's that, you know, like the, he sees Qui-Gon at the end, right? Yeah. And Qui-Gon says, I was there the whole time. You just weren't able to see or you weren't willing to see. And my headcanon of why he wasn't able to see is because the whole time he was thinking, I must destroy Vader. And then it's when he realizes that he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to become what Vader is to like finish his story, basically. Mm-hmm. That's why he's now able to see Qui-Gon. He's moved past that need for solving his mistakes and dwelling in the past. But just in terms of like the assault on the people of the universe <laughs> that Darth mm-hmm. Vader commits, it's hard to square that circle. So to me, I think story-wise, I would have had Kenobi see Qui-Gon when he was still on the ship with the people, when he was isolated and, and kind of like praying by himself. And for Qui-Gon to say, like, listen, you don't have to kill him. He Mm -hmm. is still the chosen one. You don't have to, like, win, right? Face him, sure, but you do not have to destroy him. That is not what your your Mm -hmm. existence is here for. Take care of Luke. Take care of Leia. And that, like, maybe it's too spelled out that way, but I feel like it would have made more sense in the moment to have that before. Or, like, as he's walking away, you show it in flashback mm-hmm. that he saw Qui-Gon and, and said that, right? So just walking away from Vader and letting him sit there, like, you know he's not going to die, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that that was my one gripe. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, you know where the characters have to end up in mm-hmm. order for the whole thing to make sense. So they have to, like, fit fit their like motivations and all that stuff. Uh, and it's into, small. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. No, 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 I get it. It's, it's... Y- it's tough sometimes to just like make it work uh, like evenly when you're trying to go backwards um, in a series like this, but yeah, great stuff. Um, absolutely enjoyed the series a ton. I, at least I can speak for me. It was everything I wanted it to be. And uh, it seems like you got everything you wanted to Andrew out of all of this. Um, so yeah, uh, I think we overall are on the positive end of the spectrum of this. So good stuff. Uh, Star Wars. Uh, can't wait <laughs> to see more excited to see I, I know that there's been talk of, you know, them wanting to do another season. I think that they did a good job, like, you know. I think both the stars said that they wanted to do another season, but yeah, I, the showrunner was like, the, the, that's the end of the story. <laughs> mm. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, it wraps up really neatly. Yeah. Um, I, I it, hope they don't. Like, I, I would love to see more Ewan McGregor and Hayden yes. Christensen, but it it can't like it doesn't fit if it's only if it's only just them because like the stuff with like luke and leia that's all like good done and dusted i think that's fine if they wanted yeah. to bring them back for i don't know three episodes of just like a i don't know them just being angsty at each other 
<laughs> I'm well, not going to get gonna too do, mad. <laughs> if they're going to do anything, do like some live action untold Clone Wars stories and use mm. CG to de-age them like they did in their battle. I would pay to see that. Yeah, that's cool fine. with me. Yeah, that's that's fine. Just I, we want more of them together, I think, is the is the yeah. thing here, because, you know, the prequels uh, really just disappointed in a lot of ways. And these two actors deserve better basically and i think this was a really good first step and i hope that they're able to do more with them in some in some other way but that is all we have for you today on the crosstrack kennedy show show it's part of the lockdown podcast network make sure to follow us on your podcast flat- platform of choice from apple to odyssey to spotify and youtube and rate and review us while you're at it you can follow the pod at crosstrack nhl on twitter me at mary c clark on twitter and andrew at andrew berkshire on twitter thanks for making the crosstrack nhl show your first listen every tuesday and friday We'll be back on Friday with some more Puck Talk and our final episode. See you then.